Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how are you? It's a, why don't we call this a hump day edition of Birds 365. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We're to hang, here to hang with you for the next two hours. The countdown is up. How many days we got, Johnny Mac? Well, we got six days, but the, the more important number is still seven, Jody, and that's because grass time doesn't start until a week uh, from today. So grass time... 10 o'clock in the morning, tentatively, build up Eagles training camp. And, and yeah, what do they do that first day? If there's going to be no practicing involved, it just show up, uh, fake high fives because we're still quasi-social distancing. Fake. You have to sign a register when you come in. Oh, how this first day I remember how it was when they actually had a camp. You had to go with your bunkmate into a room in uh, a dormitory somewhere. There's no more of that, so... What do they actually do on the first day? You got to move in. I re- I remember guys lugging air conditioners. That's how, you know, to go in college dorms. That's how Correct. old I am. But um, there's a lot of logistics. Obviously, it's like everything else. You got to get tested. You got to get all this stuff. You got to sign your waivers. You got to take your physical. You got to, you know, the coaching staff. And that's why at some point I always say the head coach, first time head coaches, everybody has said it, not picking on Nick Sirianni here. Nick Sirianni is going to come up to us one day and goes, man, he's going to say, I didn't know how much non-football stuff I I have to deal with. He's going to say, never have I come across a head coach who has not come to that point at some point. That makes sense. Yes, come to the Sound conclusion. Like Austin Damn, there, there's more than just deciding what to do on third and three. Yeah, coach, there's more to do than just deciding on third and three what you got to do. Uh, one of the things they have to do is something that I know you wanted to talk about. We'll get into it in just a couple of minutes. Player development, tying a couple sports in together, and we'll see if this new Eagle coaching staff is better at it than the previous Eagle coaching staff. But I'm sorry, Johnny Mac. The big news of the day is the banner officially came down. And it took friggin' forever. 151 days. By the days. way, Joe, did you want to get credit for that? I said it would happen right before camp when it had deadlines spawn action. You are you you are correct. You were correct. I give you the nod for that one. Uh, it doesn't matter that you uh, re- read the calendar well. I can read the calendar well, too. <laughs> Embarrassment that uh, the, the ex-quarterback's picture was up there. For 150 days after he was traded. But while I knock the Eagles, I'll give them credit. 
they turned around and got a new banner up there ASAP. It wasn't like we stared at the wall. Of yeah, the, because the, deadlines. I got to get it up there. You got to get it ready. Now is the time. By the way, you know, because we have been in the pandemic, has there been any events at Lincoln Financial Field? I don't know. Has there been a concert? You know, Kenny Chesney comes every year. I don't think so. So nobody even walked around to that place and looked at it, I think, for years until, you know, for months until people started saying, oh, Carson Wentz is up there. They don't care as long as it's ready for the season. That's all that matters. So they're disregarding all the Eagle fans who either live down in South Philadelphia or drive past the stadium. Well, on you want to put it like that? You're, yes. driving, you're yes. driving about, oh, 70 miles an hour up yeah. 95. And go ahead, just poke me in the eye while I drive. Yeah. So I have to look at a Carson Wentz banner. Is that what you're telling me? I am me? saying. But they're not doing it purposefully. They're doing it like, uh, they're like me. They're like, uh, who cares? We'll get to it when we get to it. They're not purposefully poking anyone in the eye. Now, maybe if they if they made a big enough of an uproar earlier, maybe something would have been done earlier. I doubt it, but maybe. You never know. Well, I, I kind of just, it's just me, but I kind of think it's their responsibility. Uh, when you trade the guy that you felt so strongly about, gave such a big contract to put a friggin' banner outside your stadium that was 65 feet tall, you have to relax. It's not a cop and attitude. And also, ah, we'll yeah. get to it when we get to it. We'll get, why is anybody making a big yeah. deal? I'm also, as long as we have it ready before John McMullen hits the grass a couple blocks down yeah. at the Novacare conference, I really care. Um, I, I, I'm also going to take a victory lap. It's, it, I'm going to call this victory lap Wednesday for me. I'm also going to take a victory lap saying they, they should put up either a, a logo, uh, uh, an, an older player, a Reggie White type player, Brian Dawkins type player, or the Lombardi trophy. Bang. There it is. Which Don't they- mess with younger players. Doesn't matter how good you think it's going to be. Don't do it unless you want to get involved in this situation. Right. If uh, four years from now, it could be as quickly as two years from now, if not five years. And then you got to make another decision. The the banner that they put up can absolutely stay there for the next 20 years. There's no reason. At some point, it's going to get a little old. Really? We're looking all the way back to 2017. Uh, in, In 2040, we might go. Isn't it about time they changed the banner? But we're a long way off from 2040, okay? So they made a very smart and a safe decision. Jody, I got news for you real quick. By 2040, they're going to want to rip down the stadium and build a new stadium. We'll be talking about a new stadium. Um, Here's my only issue with the coverage that it has gotten. I full well know I didn't need anyone to point it out to me. And I saw a couple of videos where they uh, swoop in the video of Nick Foles holding the trophy in the celebration after the Super Bowl. Yeah, now we're I, talking I, about hands. We're right. talking about hands. I knew it ahead of time. I knew exactly where the shot came from that they created on this banner. But it had to be described by a lot of outlets as Nick Foles' banner down at Citizen. It's not a Nick Foles' banner. Yes, you can see Nick Foles' hand, but you don't, if, if you were, came in from another planet, you wouldn't even know whose hand it was. 
Yeah, as Eagle fans, you know exactly where that picture was taken. And yeah, Nick had the trophy in his head. <clears throat> it's not a Nick Foles banner. It's no. a Super Bowl trophy banner. It's an Eagles win it all banner. It's not a Nick Foles banner. The trophy just happened to be in his hand at that point. It's not a further slap in the face at Carson Wentz that his banner came down and a Nick Foles banner. It has this much to do with Nick Foles. Here's the banner. Here's Nick Foles' participation. Why does it have to be labeled a Nick Foles banner? Well, I got a kick out of one particularly, and maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, because it got a lot of play on social media. And I talked about the Eagles being petty by putting up that banner for, for Carson Wentz. And I'm like, who's the petty one here? I, I am 100% sure. Look, anybody who knows and watches this program and knows me knows I'm not afraid to rip the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they're not being petty to Carson Wentz. If that's how you take that banner, you're the petty one. Yeah. You you are the petty one for that even entering your mind. Because I guarantee you it didn't enter anybody's mind making that decision. I mean, that's absurd. People like to be outraged, Jody. They come up with, I mean, it doesn't matter. If it were Doug's hands, they would have said, to, well, you fired the coach and you put his coach. I mean, settle down. It's a picture of the Lombardi Trophy because it's the only Lombardi Trophy this organization has ever won. And 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 by the way, Jody, if you want to be outraged at something, maybe be outraged at the fact that the guy who coached the team to that Lombardi Trophy got fired inside of three years. That's worthy of outrage. Not claiming the team is petty for putting up a picture of the Lombardi trophy. They should hold on to that like grim death because they have done everything wrong since the day they won that trophy, basically. And the only thing that outrages me is 151 days from the day that Carson Wentz was traded. You poo-poo and say nobody's down there. It doesn't really matter. Baloney. Eagle fans know where their stadium is. A lot of people drive by it every single day. It should have been done a hell of a lot faster than 151 days. Now, they got it right. I give them credit, as John McMullen suggested, make it about a uh, something other than an individual player, a former player, an all-time great, a oh, uh, maybe a slap shot from the parade. There was a couple ways they could go. The Lombardi trophy absolutely works. The Eagles shouldn't have to worry whose hand is in the shot of them holding the Lombardi trophy. Ridiculous. But they should be a little embarrassed that it took them 151 days to get a new picture up there. That That, that is embarrassing. Yeah. It's like a billion dollar nothing. I'm surprised tumbleweeds don't fly by. There's nothing there because of the pandemic. You probably couldn't even let the workers in until two weeks ago. Who knows? I, I don't know, but the point well, is... Well, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Johnny, 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 don't give me the pandemic. Did they play home games in the stadium last year? Yes, they did. Were there fans in the stadium last year? Uh, for a very short period of time. A very short period and, and only a small percentage. But there were fans actually in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, and they played but you home didn't games. let me finish. Then what does Johnny? the pandemic as an excuse give you to say, well, because, we don't have to do it now because it's a pandemic? Because... They would have been ready for week one of the preseason. They are ready in week one. I said they would be ready by week one, and that's all that matters. Week one, 
uh, of preseason because that's the well, uh, I, I forget the preseason schedule, whatever the opener preseason game is at home. That's when it's got to be ready. That's when it's got to be up. They got they did it in plenty of time. So it's not the pandemic; it's the off season. During the off season, you don't have to care about what your no. stadium. If you like. run that back, run that back. I said, who knows? I'm saying, you know, with the pandemic, the city of Philadelphia, the restrictions. I'm saying, who knows, Jody? I'm saying nobody in the organization cared to think about it before week one of the preseason. And by the way, that's not different than any other year because they don't prepare anything until the very end. So even if Carson was here, other sort of accentuations for the stadium would have been done at the same time. Maybe a different player got blown out. Maybe, I don't know, you come up with any scenario you want to come up with. They do it at the very end. That's why I said it. It's not new. It's okay. it's 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 business as usual. And the business that they do from the time that they tanked the last game of the season against the Washington football team until when they're going to report to the Novacare complex last week it was was so much. They were so busy that no one within that organization could they're stay. They're all on vacation. Hey, like you know, else. we've got this banner outside of Carson Wentz, and we actually traded him. What do you think we should do about it? Just leave it up there because nobody's going to walk by. No one actually drives by on I-95 to the stadium. So eh, get to don't, cable that. Get back to get back I rarely, to when the I summer rare, rolls around. I rarely defend the Eagles, but I'm going to defend the Eagles here. This is why the Eagles get uh, sort of upset and, and at times, not all the times, upset at the narrative because – I, I can tell you, if, if anybody listening down there, I'm going to hear about it. They're going to roll their eyes. They're going to say, why are you making a big deal out of this shit? And by the way, I agree with them. And people who make a big deal out of this are, are the ones who are being petty, not the Eagles for putting pans of Nick Bowles in the Lombardi trophy. They're the petty ones, Joe. I'm not, I'm not calling the Eagles petty. I'm calling them irresponsible. There's a difference between petty and irresponsible. You leave it up there and, for and, 150 you know, days. Do, you're you're, you're telling the Eagle fans. Uh, quick question go. for you. What's the name of this show? Birds 365. 365. And it's based on the fact that we think there's a big population out there that want to talk, want to be engrossed by, want to be Philadelphia Eagle fans 365 days a year. And you're telling me for the last 150 days, the Eagles were telling all their fans, Ah, Carson Wentz is up to some Who cares? Who cares what our stadium looks like? Come back the week of preseason. We'll be ready by then. It will be ready by then. My my point is, if if that's what makes you upset about this team right now, you got to look in the mirror because there's plenty of other things to be upset about that have some substance to it. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, like I said, Kelly Green, I say the same thing. All this ancillary nonsense. You can like it. You can like what you like. I tell everybody that all the time. If you like it, if you're passionate about it, great. But I'm saying at the end of the day, if you want to talk about substance and being upset about this team, I got to go through 57 things minimum before I get to Carson Wentz banner at Lincoln Financial Field. And I'm being kind. I could probably get to 157 before I get to Carson Wentz banner. 
Understood. But they actually will be dealt with during the upcoming weeks because, yes, they got to get ready for a season. And we believe that they will make certain moves. And uh, maybe Howie Roseman's got to trade up his sleeve to get a better cornerback in here. Yeah, I, that that is going to go front and center. That's going to hit them upside head. They can't get around that. They chose to let this one be lax and slide by him. And I think Eagle fans, as a matter of fact, looked at it as a little bit of a slap in the face. Will they get over it? Yes. At some point, am I going to reference if the Eagles get out uh, one and five? Are we going to come out of here in Bird Street sixty five? One and five. I'm 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 hoping for zero and nine. We're going to have Bob Groats on Friday, by the way. So we're gonna we're gonna see. My point is. If they're one and five, Xander, make sure you clip that point where uh, John McMullen says, "I'm hoping for zero and nine. No. I did hear those <laughs> words come out of his mouth just now. I'm hoping for that's zero why, and nine. That's why I meant for Bob. I'm I meant for Bob's sake. But uh, you never. I I I hope the team does well. But I obviously I have to clarify it. But the point I'm trying to make is Jody, it can be two and three. It can be one and five. Like you said, it could be three and four, whatever. If they get off to a start, maybe even they're overachieving. They go five and two and people are going to be fired up about the team that people are going to be upset by the team. Nobody's going to be talking about the Carson Wentz banner. No. And the last part of it is I don't care about Carson Wentz. I mean, I wish him well, who cares? He's in Indianapolis now. Now it's, uh, it's in the rearview mirror. Now this team's about Jalen Hurts and what they're going to do with the quarterback position moving forward. I've talked about it all off season. Does he even have a legitimate opportunity? These are the things that are important, not a Carson Wentz banner. The banner, yes. The banner will go by the board. It's a topic du jour of this week leading up to the removal of and the new one that's placed up there. The Lombardi Trophy banner, not the Knicks Foles banner. Those of you who are into uh, clickbait and trying to draw attention, no, it's not a, it's not a Nick Foles banner. It's a Lombardi Trophy banner, and they actually picked a pretty good one. And uh, at least the video I've seen looks good on the side of the stadium. Only took them 151 days, but it does look good. So I'll give the Eagles that much credit. Yeah, that will be a forgotten thing. Logistics, Jody. Logistics. Where I will disagree. Got to get a is. crane. Who knows what the crane company's doing? Uh, and and we'll have our stream guys here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel who will comment. But I'll be doing shows on WIP. Oh, Carson Wentz's achievements will oh, be brought up I'm and acknowledged I know. on a week-in, week-out basis. It's I, nice that I you know. can put them aside, but I have to deal with John Q. Public. Oh, no, Carson Wentz isn't going away anymore. Well, so. I'm going to I'm gonna end this segment with one thing I always says that angers people. Look at that Lombardi, Lombardi trophy as you go down I-95. You might see Nick Foles' hands, but you ain't at 12-2 and two if Carson Wentz is not on that team. If the Eagles don't draft Carson Wentz at number two overall, they do not have that Lombardi trophy. So while it didn't end well and it didn't last as long as people had hoped, they're going to recognize that at some point. I hope at least the lucid ones are. Now, maybe time heals all wounds, as we say. Maybe it's going to take a little while. I, I mean, I don't know how you hate Carson Wentz in a city where you're looking for a championship since 1960. I don't know how you do well, it. Not, not hate him, but uh, it, it, with everything in every sport, shoot, almost in life. 
what have you done for me lately? What did you do the last 10 minutes? And you back it up thereafter. And now we're going a little bit to get back to 2017. You're right. They they probably don't win the Super Bowl while Carson Wentz do what he's doing. He was a major contributor to that championship parade and everything else. And we should never forget that. But Jody, yeah, you're an old school guy. You might remember this. What is the Fred Shiro quote going way back to the Flyers? Whatever the hell they won, 73, 74. Something about winning. You win today and you right. walk we, in history walk forever. Together yeah, in blah, history. Blah, blah, yes. blah, blah. Something I, I I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But man, people still talk about those Flyers guys. They've been in town, they've had a goddess industry of winning those championships. Got same thing's gotta happen with this team. It, with the most passionate sport, the most popular sport, the one everybody talks about since 1960. Oh, come on. You got to come to the grips with how important Carson Wentz was to that. Part I'm sorry. Of, part of that is the, the, the Flyers didn't really break up that quickly. There were no guys who came in, were well, different era. And then went badly and had to be run out of town. Um, so a little different. I, I, I can't compare what transpired with Carson Wentz here with anything that happened with the Flyers. Uh, not the same thing. Uh, he, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac Mac guys. Hey, we got a uh, first time guest coming up with us. Does a great job covering the birds for inside the Eagles. That's I G G L E S. Jeffrey Knox going to join us next here on birds. 365. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Update edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. We add a third voice here, a guy who I've been lucky enough to get on my radio show a couple times over the last year. He's a major contributor to InsideTheEagles.com. Jeffrey Knox, good enough to hop aboard with us. Jeffrey, how's your summer treating you? So far, so good, Jody Mac. Always good to speak with you. And Mr. McMullen, pleasure to meet you, sir. Uh, Nice to meet you, Jeffrey. So I don't know, you were on hold if you heard uh, Jody and I talking about mm-hmm. the banner on the side mm-hmm. of Lincoln Financial Field. How big of a deal is it to you that the Eagles took? How many days, Jody? How many 151 days? from the day they traded Carson Wentz. 151 days. Does that, uh, as an Eagles guy, does that upset you? Am I off the rails saying, eh, who cares? No, I don't think you're off the rails there, Mr. McMullen. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of like on the same boat as Jody, though. I kind of was wondering what it was taking so long to get him down there. Uh, uh, personally, me, I think it was, it was probably about time to do it. You know, this is a guy that you have invested a lot in and everything. It didn't end the way you wanted to. But, uh, you know, this is Philly. And it's hard to drive down the, you know, that's the road every day and just sit there and look at the eastern side of the uh, Lincoln Financial Field Stadium and just see that guy up there. You know, you kind of want to replace him with somebody else. <laughs> All right. right. Fair enough. Fair if, enough. If it wasn't in as viable a place as it is right on top of 95, maybe I don't even get as bent out of shape as I do. But I did. And I'm Ooh. sorry. They could they could have taken it down quicker. But they did a nice job replacing Carson Wentz with a really good picture of the Super Bowl celebration. See the confetti coming down. That is the best sports moment for the Eagles. A lot of people in this town right now, in their life, and they got a great picture of it. But why did some media outlets have to go, ooh, it's a picture of Nick Foles. No, it's not. It's a picture of Nick Foles' head. It's a picture of the Lombardi Trophy. Some people just want to continue this quarterback controversy story until I think we have to wait till both Carson Wentz and Nick Foles both pass away before some people will let it go. And even after that happens, it probably won't go away then. <laughs> I was on the other side, though. I was kind of wishing it would have been Jake, uh, uh, excuse me, Jason Kelsey in Mummer's outfit. I think that would have been great. <laughs> it would have been. There was a lot of ways it could have went. I, I said logo. I said Lombardi trophy. I said legendary great, you know, Brian Dawkins, Reggie White. That way you don't have to worry about it. They'll be talking about a new stadium by the time you have to take that thing down. So I think the Eagles made the right decision. But, Jeffrey, I want to talk about more substantive stuff with you because while some people are, as you mentioned, caught up in Nick Bowles versus Carson Wentz, the real issue is Jalen Hurts. Can he replace Carson Wentz? And for how long? Obviously, he's going to get an opportunity uh, in 2021. 
it's a narrow path, man, to seize control of that job because you look at the three first-round picks, three potential first-round picks, you look at all the salary cap money, you look at what's coming down the pike. What do you think, Jalen Hurts? Does he have an opportunity to seize control of this team? Definitely has the opportunity. I'm worried about Jalen Hurts. I mean, you can never look past, uh, you know, what is that, 53% completions percentage for anybody? 52, yeah. 52. 52% percentage. You can never look past that, especially in the National Football League. Um, the thing that I love about Jalen Hurts is I love his mental makeup. I probably love his mental makeup more than I like that of Carson Wentz. I think he's a little right. bit tougher. We've seen him deal with adversity before. Um, he's a grown-up. And uh, if there's a if there's any type of person that you want in, on the center and uh, in the lineup leading you guys, uh, I believe that's why the guys may have, may have um, shown over the course of the last part of the season and through the offseason that they believe in him so much. Uh, we've seen it at Alabama. We've seen him do it at Oklahoma. And I think he can do it at Philly. Um, ineffective happens in the NFL. Uh, we've seen Russell Wilson come in his trouble. Tom Brady wasn't this Tom Brady that we see now when he first entered the league with the New England Patriots. Uh, that's why the other teams have coaches. These guys have to have the ability to, to learn. Uh, they need that learning curve. They need to be coached. And I think um, maybe more so than Carson Wentz, I think Jalen Hurts is coachable. If he's listening, he's a grown-up, he's mature, and we've seen him handle adversity and do it well, I see no reason why he can't be successful. Fingers crossed. Jeffrey, uh, an, an article you put up on, on your site recently was something we had discussed and I had mentioned here on the show about Zach Ertz. We talk about Zach Ertz almost on a daily basis because we know that you know what's going to hit the fan here very shortly when camp opens up. Will Zach Ertz be here? Does he want to be here? Do the Eagles want him here? How much uh, nibble has Howie Roseman gotten for dangling Carson Wentz as a tradable asset? All those things are going to come to uh, loggerheads here in the next six, seven, eight days when camp opens up. You mentioned that, well, why don't we revisit can bygones be bygones? Can actual, can the Eagles actually think about keeping Zach Ertz here and making it work? You've got a new coaching staff, so any animosity with Doug Peterson and or his staff last year should be by the board. We know it's bigger than that, that Zach has a problem with the organization, a.k.a. Howie Roseman, and he is still very much here. But if Howie does a major mea culpa thing and – Everybody jumps on board and Dallas Goddard gets on the phone and says, hey, you and me, pal, we can still do this together. Is there any chance they can unburn the bridge with Zach Ertz? Jody Mack, I sure hope so, man. Like uh, Zach Ertz is one of those guys, kind of like a Deuce Stanley, kind of like a Randall Cunningham that just touches a different heartstring with me. I love the guy. Eight seasons in the league, all of which with the Philadelphia Eagles, guys going from being the guy who was really only effective against the Giants to being one of the top three tight ends in the game and um, has suffered some injuries. I think Zach Ertz is one of those guys that I would like to see, like we've done with so many other people. I think Zach Ertz has done enough for the organization to, to prove and warrant that he deserves to have that bounce back here. We gave it to Carson Wentz after, um, you know, some he may have looked uh, not the way we wanted and desired in 2019. Um I don't know why Alshon Jeffrey and guys like Mac Hollins got so many chances. <laughs> I, definitely believe that, I definitely believe that Zach Ertz has had that chance. Um, does he want to be here? I don't think he wants to be around Howie. I don't think he wants that relationship with Howie that he once did. But he loves the city. We've seen him. We've seen him brought literally to tears over his love for this city, this organization, this franchise. And um, I believe that love, plus the love that he has with his teammates 
One of his best friends is still here, Jason Kelsey. There are enough guys on this team that can help him in that fix and everything because, I mean, who's to say that there are other guys in the locker room that may have their own issues with Howie? Like, we're all trying to get through this together, but in the end, you're one of us. Uh, we definitely hope that we can work this out. And, um, you know, Philly wasn't even in a position to where they had to make a decision immediately anyway. He is signed through the remainder of this year. Um, but I also understand the business of the NFL as well. There's a there's always a desire to want to get the most out of somebody that you can get out of them while they're still tradable. And obviously, if, uh, you know, the opposite happens and Zachers, you know, endures the entire 2021 season and doesn't look like the Zachers that we remember, then obviously you've got nothing for him. But I definitely believe that he has earned the right to, to prove his medal and show that he can do this one more time. So, Jeffrey, one of the most difficult parts of Howie's job is sort of that balancing act and the fact that you you have to – it's probably better to give up on a player uh, a year early than a year late. It's the cliche in this league. A lot of people, including yourself, my buddy Jimmy Kemsky, I saw you chimed in on potentially trading Fletcher Cox, who maybe is the Eagles' best player. Uh, but if you look at it realistically – you take Jeffrey Laurie at his word, this is a transition period. So by the time the Eagles get good again, be a playoff contender again, Fletcher Cox probably won't be Fletcher Cox. So how do you balance these veteran players who've done so much for you in this organization versus sort of rebuilding, even if they want to label it transitioning? Very valid point, Mr. McMullen. I think in the end, it all comes down to who these guys are, what they represent. Are they still effective right now? Uh, do they help this team win right now? Which I think, obviously, Fletcher Cox still does. But also, you know, in the rebuilding year, as you stated, what can we get for this guy? Um, not using the Cowboys as a reference. We know we know how we feel about them. But <laughs> once upon a time, Jimmy Johnson made a decision. He decided to move on from Herschel Walker, and that ended up being one of the best decisions they ever made. But look at what he got for him. It was kind of hard to say no to that deal. Um, giving up Fletcher Cox and somebody telling us, yo, we're going to give you a third round and maybe like a fourth round in next year is obviously not something that we're going to, you know, subscribe to and, um, you know, agree with. But Fletcher Cox is one of those guys that, um, you know, is still effective right now, still at the top of his game right now. Um, we've gone years and years upon years saying that he was the second best defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Dolan of the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not sure that's the case anymore. I think I kind of moved Chris Jones from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs up to number two now, and I got Fletcher Cox at three. But um, he's effective. There are a lot of contenders in the league. We may not be one of them, but he can help somebody win. And um, if there's a package that's put together that's almost something that you can't walk away from, like the Godfather said, an offer that you just can't refuse, then um, – it's, it's definitely worth exploring. I'm actually on the boat where I don't really want Fletcher Cox to go anywhere, just like I don't want Zach Ertz to go anywhere. But at this point, this, the position this team is in, coming off of 4-11 in one year, um, you got to explore all options to get better. My issue with the option of Fletcher Cox being traded is timing. If, if the Eagles had made this decision <laughs> when Jeff Laurie announced when he was firing Doug Peterson, who didn't really deserve to be fired – Still trying to put all those pieces together. <laughs> um, if that's when they made the decision, we're transitioning and you're going to trade Fletcher Cox when teams have salary cap space before the draft takes place. Okay, that makes sense. We're going into rebuild. We just lived through Sam Hinkie in the process, so we got to do it with the Eagles too. Okay, fine. You don't come up with these plans in July whenever nobody's got any cap room left and 
think they're going to create the cap room. And oh, by the way, we're not going to give you as much as maybe he's worth because we're doing it this time. The timing of it is the thing that bothers me. And because of that, that's why I think Fletcher Cox has to stay and will stay for this upcoming season. All right. So they're good at tackle, but they're not good at cornerback. Um, A lot of people have thrown out this scenario where Howie Roseman, a couple of years ago, he made a trade for a cornerback in August. As a matter of fact, when he picked up Ronald Darby, don't discount the trade of a uh, cornerback to the Eagles to upgrade that position. We can't dismiss it. But with every passing day, the possibility of a trade becomes a little bit less as we get closer to opening day. Are they really going to start the season with the group that they have in the cornerback room right now? Oh, (laughs) they do. They seem to be happy with what they have and everything. They seem to be um, happy with Zach McPherson. I personally, I have an issue with going to a conference in college football where they rarely play defense and getting a defensive guy and doing it in round four. Or was that round five? <laughs> round four, yeah. Round four. So I, I, I look at Zach McPherson, and there's a little bit of worry there. I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch a lot of Texas Tech football. I don't know if you guys did. I normally defer to guys like you on that point because you guys have done this way longer than I am. I look up to guys like you when you're a lot smarter than me about stuff like this. But, you know, just that reason alone, I'm kind of like worried about Zach McPherson. Um, we've seen Avant Maddox be successful at times. Um, it's, I always felt like he could be a lot better if he could tackle. Um, we know what Darius Slay brings to the table. Um, Michael Jaquette scared us with that Dallas Cowboys game. I think uh, the new guy, uh, Shaquille Taylor, I believe his name is. Uh, yeah, Shaquille. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Gannon over in Indy. So I believe that tie is probably going to get him in maybe as the sixth guy. But um, we've seen these things happen late, Jody, and these teams are patient almost to a fault, I guess. Uh, you could see that late. That late, 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 late midnight hour trade. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. I've heard the stuff about, you know, maybe signing Stephen Nelson. I don't think that anybody values Stephen Nelson the way that Stephen Nelson values himself. I, <laughs> yeah, I actually, oh, yeah. That's true. A little bit better, Josh Norman. Josh Norman actually just talked himself into contracts and made us believe that he was better than he actually was. Um, but he doesn't seem to be as valued around the league as um, he thinks he is. Um Xavier Howard is out there with the Dolphins. I don't know how you'd make that work financially. But at the same time, too, I was looking at the Tennessee Titans, and I sat there and I also realized that, you know, they they brought Julio Jones, and we thought that was impossible. Like I said, you guys are smarter than me. I don't know how this salary cap thing works. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what is the thing? It seemed like we had nobody then, and we just wanted one wide receiver. We got Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey. I have no idea how to get salary cap works. I really don't. Yeah. Well, one one thing we're we've been talking about, we're going to talk about later in the show a little bit more. Jeffrey's player development. One of the reasons Doug Peterson isn't here, and Nick Sirianni is here, is supposedly uh, him and his staff are great teachers. So you bring up that cornerback position. You mentioned a lot of those young names and Zach McPherson. You even brought up Shaquille Taylor. Taylor, that's good on you because a lot of Eagles fans don't even know he exists at this point. But he has a history with Indianapolis and and Jonathan Gannon, um, so you're 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 connecting the dots well there. But player development, I go. You mentioned the draft. I go back to the 20, 2020 draft. Jeffrey Okuda was the third pick overall out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He did not play well. He did not play well. 
Now, that doesn't mean he can't turn it around, but people expecting Zach McPherson, as you mentioned, a fourth-round pick out of Texas Tech to come in and be a starter. Howie Roseman's got to figure out something, and it might be Steven Nelson. He put out a cryptic tweet yesterday, today, or tomorrow. He's great, as you mentioned, hyping himself up, although he's not that great because he hasn't had a deal yet. But as an Eagles fan, are you concerned on third downs? You know, Barrett Brooks says he's going to buy a case of Tums for third downs. Where are you when you come and look at this pass defense? Are you just saying, well, Gannon's going to be good. It's going to be better than we expect. Or do you look at Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Terry McLaurin and Kenny Galladay and say, oops, oh, what the heck are we going to do there? Uh, that when I look at C.D. Lamb, <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do there? Um one of the guys I left out was Graylin Arnold. I know they were really high on him, you know, out of Baylor and things of that nature. But uh, you're absolutely right, Mr. McMullen. Um, there has to be some team development here. There has to be uh, – I think that's what's gotten us in trouble. We got we, – we, we draft these guys. Uh, they don't pan out. And then we have to mask some of this by just continuing to go out and buy free agents and things of that nature. And, you know, it just never gets better. And those free agents get old quick, and then you have the injuries. And then we've been so unfortunate that, you know, people start to get hurt that are supposed to be young. So – um, I'm scared to death. Uh, I love the pass rush. Uh, I love Josh. I love Josh Sweat. I love I love Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham is one of those guys, like I said, it tugs at the heartstrings. Ryan Kerrigan, hopefully he has enough left. But um, I think in rotational situations, I think he should be fine with limited snaps and things of nature because he is getting a little long in the tooth there. But um, those things go hand in hand. Um, certain rules about football will always be rules about football. And you need to be able to cover so the pass rush can get home. The pass rush needs to get get home so the guys don't have to cover as long. But um, Darius Slay, <clears throat> though he showed some chinks in the armor a little bit last year, he had the one interception. Uh, I think maybe unfair or fair. No, it's fair, actually, because he makes enough money for this to be fair. Darius Slay has to be even better now than what he was last year and even better than we've seen from Darius Slay. He just has to do it. And um, they have to figure out that other hole. I'm, I'm not confident in putting the biomatics out there and things of that nature. But again, this is the NFL and this is a team that's rebuilding in a salary cap era. There's always going to be something that a team needs. And in this case, it's kind of become like a tradition here in this fan base and in this organization that every single year, regardless of what we do, we're right back to talking about the same things in the offseason, guys. What yeah. are we going to do with the receiver? Who are our quarterbacks? <laughs> Well, you bring up Darius. I think I think Sly, as he likes to be called, I think he's going to have a great year for this reason, Jeffrey. If you're an opposing quarterback, why even looking at Slay? Why throw his way? Why 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 even bother? Because he is he's still a good corner. He's still a really good corner. And quarterbacks are smart, especially veteran quarterbacks. They're going to say, "All right, let's leave Slay alone and let's take advantage of these guys." So I think the perception is Slay is just locking people down. Yeah, that that as well. And um, I actually I actually see that as an argument, but also see the other thing. I'm actually at the point now where towards the end of last year, it looked like some of these veteran guys didn't look like they were as frightened to take on Slay as we thought they might be. And um, you know, if you win fifty percent of the time, that's good. You can still take advantage of everybody everywhere else and things of that nature. But yeah, I think I'm. I'm Right on the fence with you. I think there's a possibility of him having a great year, and I think there's also the possibility of maybe, you know, we seeing 
some things that we may not like from that. But I think more often than not, you're going to get a lot more good than a lot more bad than uh, with from the, with from Slay. Jeffrey, you mentioned the wide receiver position, yes, which is a cottage industry in this town. Who's going to play wide receiver? What are we doing at wide receiver? Why don't we have wide receiver? Why can't we get a 600-yard wide receiver? Well, I think they will actually accomplish that this year. And his name is Devontae Smith, and they aggressively moved up to take him in the first round. I've been a huge fan. I thought he was the best receiver on Alabama two years ago when two of their wide receivers were taken in the top 15 in the draft. Guys like me and others putting a lot of pressure on Devonta Smith. We want him to come in here and not only be the Eagles' best wide receiver, but a thousand yard plus wide receiver and maybe a seven to 10 touchdown type wide receiver. Are we putting too much on Devonta Smith's plate? Uh, no, because it's the NFL and same thing. Like when you're sitting there talking about top 10 picks and everything, these guys are just going to have to deal with that pressure, whether it's fair or not. This is the league, you know. You know, welcome to the league, rookie. You know, you got to line up against these great guys that you've been watching on TV for the last four years, and some of them for most of your life. But uh, no, but I did. I, the the one thing that I love about Devontae Smith, even though we may be heaping some unnecessary pressure on him, is I think he can handle it. I think he's the guy. I think this is the guy that we've been looking for. Finally, we got something right. Philly decided, you know what, let's go in the draft and let's actually look at the team that's actually one of the dynasties in college football and try to find some talent there. So I love him, not only him, but Landon Dickerson. I think of Landon Dickerson as healthy. Again, fingers crossed. I think he's the best interior lineman in the draft. Um, I also think Devontae Smith helps make other people better. I think he opens up things underneath for Dallas Goddard. I think he makes a, I think he makes a Jalen Rager better. Jalen Rager uh, was probably in a position that the same type position last year where the unnecessary pressure was heaped on him, and we saw him crack under it to some extent. Uh, we also saw the injuries. But I honestly believe that Jalen Rager serves a role that he should have served in the first place. He's robbing to somebody else's Batman. I think he's fine. And um, without the pressure of him having to be the guy, without the pressure of, you know, everybody looking at him and maybe making all the statements about him, now they're talking about somebody else. I think you actually, because of Devontae Smith's presence, you get a great year out of him and also Jalen Rager and maybe even Travis Fogelman on that way down because now you got Travis Fogelman lining up against the third best cornerback on everybody's team now. Yeah, I've said the same thing, Jeffrey. I think there's going to be a domino effect with Devontae Smith. I don't think Jalen Rager is a legit number one receiver in this league. But number two, less pressure. I think he fits in. Travis Fogum, maybe he's not a two as a three. That's not bad. So I think the domino effect starts to take over if Devontae Smith turns into what he is, what we think he's going to be. But I want to shift. We've gone pretty late in this interview. I haven't brought up the head coach, Nick Sirianni. So I want to get your thoughts about Nick and his staff because, look, Michael Clay, youngest special teams coordinator in this league. Uh, Nick Rollis, youngest position coach. Lot there's, you know, Nick Rollis is the same age as Alex Singleton, basically. Uh, not a lot of experience. Uh, not a veteran sounding board, so to speak. You've seen it a lot of places. Sean McVay always bring up with Wade Phillips. Even Doug Peterson as a first-time head coach at Jim Swartz. How do you feel about this coaching staff and, and what have been your sort of first impressions? Uh, they'll take some lumps. I think once we got over the desire to pick on Nick Sirianni and everything and I settled down and kind of took my emotions out of the argument, I like Nick Sirianni a lot more now than I did uh, when he was hired. Clearly, the guy doesn't drink decaf. <laughs> but Nick Sirianni, 
has that desire to succeed and he cares. And um, after several years of just seeing so many coaches that look like they didn't, I love him for that reason. Again, these guys are going to take their lumps. Um, a lot of times we look at the quarterback position and we say those guys need time to develop and things of that nature. And you want to be patient with quarterbacks. We don't extend that same courtesy to everybody else. We don't look at Andre Dillard at the left tackle and sit there and say, well, Andre Dillard needs some reps too. We don't look at the coaches and sit there and say, these guys got to go out there and get beaten up some. Um, the one thing that I will say that, you know, they do have working in their favor is, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles made a coaching change this year. They were the only team that didn't make that coaching change last year. Ron Rivera is excellent. I think he got a raw deal in Carolina. And I don't think anything that happened in Carolina was Ron Rivera's fault. I actually think it was more Cam Newton's fault. <laughs> that may just be me. But um, outside of Ron Rivera, you look, you got Joe Judge in, you know, New York, and then you got, you know, I hate to bring up that team. Today, <laughs> the and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I really didn't. I really never thought he was great in Green Bay. So um, you're talking about a division that we've nicknamed the NFC least for a reason. Um, I think the last two division winners have had less than 10 wins. We may be looking at that same type thing this year. I actually think this coaching staff knows enough and is going to be successful enough that they can surprise us a little bit. Maybe not with a playoff appearance, maybe not with um, dominating performances on Sunday or Thursday night or Monday night football, but I do believe that this coaching staff would do a lot more than we think they're, they're going to do, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. Anytime a group, an individual building into a group, are doing something for the first time, certainly Nick Sirianni, head coach, his two coordinators stepping up into larger roles, guys getting uh, promotions along the coaching staff, they either answer the challenge or they don't, and we'll find out once the season starts. But the other big concern for me going into the year, Jeff, is people are speculating as to how involved the general manager and the owner are going to be with hands-on coaching with this team, that because Nick Sirianni is a first-time starter, went behind the years, never been in charge of a team before, he's going to be very influenced, either by Harry Roseman and or Jeff Flory. We believe they were influenced, influencing Doug Peterson, too, and they did win a Super Bowl that way. They had a collapse of 4-11-1 last year, too, so it all needs to be evaluated. How much... Is it a concern of Eagle fans? Do you think that, yeah, Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman are going to be pulling the strings uh, uh, behind a puppet coach in year one like Nick Sirianni? Very concerning. I actually, uh, I'm of the opinion that, uh, you know, that was the one one of those one things that Chip Kelly was right about. Chip Kelly actually decided I'm going to take Howie Roseman. I'm going to bury him in the equipment room. Who would have thought that would have been <laughs> one of the better decisions he could have made? But, um, very concerning, very concerning. I remember these were the type of conversations we used to have about the Dallas Cowboys. They were supposed to have the milling owner and they were supposed to have the coaches that were on the, you know, the puppeteer strings and things of that nature. And it looks like that may have been, unfortunately, one of the reasons why Nick Sirianni was hired. Um, if that was the case with Doug Peterson, who knows if that came later or if that started at the beginning. But if that was the case with Doug Peterson, it worked to some extent. There just were issues when, you know, they just had certain things that they didn't agree with and things of that nature. Um Doug Peterson, whether he was saying this out of just being the nice guy that Doug Peterson is or whether he actually believed it, he always talked about that mixture and how important it was and things of that nature. Um, I don't know much about Jeffrey Lurie's football intelligence, things of that nature, but he has, it seems like he cares. 
And um, whether we uh, subscribe to it, whether we agree with it, whether we're worried about it or not, looks like that's the situation we're in. But I can definitely see reason for concern because that should always be a reason for concern from a fan standpoint. Well, I can tell you from a fan standpoint, Jeffrey, that Jeffrey Lurie cares. I mean, one thing I would say, the worst thing you can have as an owner is somebody who is apathetic, somebody who is uh, who doesn't care. Um, Jeffrey cares, maybe cares too much. And that's where he gets into uh, some difficulties when it's talking about, you know, Doug Peterson is wide receiver coach, the story where he they upset the Packers in Green Bay, and he's complaining, why didn't we throw the football more after upsetting Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field? So I've said this to a couple of other people. I'm going to give you this hypothetical as a tip of the cap to Jody McDonald, who loves these hypotheticals. Love hypotheticals. He loves them, so I'm going to give it to you, Jeffrey. The Philadelphia Eagles host Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, who everybody thinks is going to the Super Bowl again. The most talented quarterback in football, the great head coach, first ballot, Hall of Famer. They somehow pull off the upset, but they do it by Jalen Hurts rushing the football, Miles Sanders running the football. Does Jeffrey Lurie go into Nick Sirianni and say, why didn't we throw the football, even after they they – put together this massive upset. Would he still do that, do you think, from a fan perspective? Based on the story you told me, is a constant <laughs> 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 you didn't know the Aaron Rodgers story. Like, I, It seemed like he shouldn't have done it in that case. But yeah. um, Well, he definitely shouldn't. That's the point. But it is interesting when you have a, a rookie head coach. So I'll, I'll turn it this way for you instead. When they did fire Doug Peterson, and maybe I want to put you back in that position, when you hear who's being interviewed and they went through 10 interviews before they settled on Nick Sirianni, did you want somebody specifically? Did you have a name in mind that you wanted to be the head coach of the Eagles? Do you recall? I had several. Um, actually, Deuce was one of them at one point, just because I liked the way that they responded to Deuce and I felt like he held people accountable and things of that nature. Um, I think with me, I was more interested with regardless and this may have been Deuce's situation regardless of whether or not Deuce was hired we realized that Deuce probably wasn't as ready to be a head coach as some people were wanting him to be but I felt like Deuce could have been great with strong coordinators I really like Jim Caldwell like and I kept beating the Jim Caldwell drum and things of that nature maybe not as a head coach but definitely as an offensive coordinator like I just looked at what he did with Joe Flacco I saw not a whole lot from Joe Flacco until you know Jim Caldwell showed up and then I saw Joe Flacco explode, and I saw him fall apart without Jim Caldwell. I saw what he did with Peyton Manning. Um, I saw what he did with Matt Stafford. And some of these guys had some of their great, their greatest years with him. And that's what that was around the time we still thought Carson Wentz would be around. I thought, you know, maybe like that would bring out some of the best in Carson Wentz. Um, but there were so many names, um, Eric Bieniemy being one of them. But as a uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy didn't get his interview, but uh, as as guys started to come off the list and things of that nature, I was kind of feeling like, you know, we're going to end up with somebody we may not know or really don't want. But at the same time, too, um, though we've had our moments of picking on Nick Sirianni, I think we're past that now. And um, I'm feeling hopeful and I'm feeling confident, especially from a stand, fan standpoint, because we didn't know who Andy Reid really was either. We didn't know a whole lot about him and whether he's his And uh, we definitely – didn't like the Doug Peterson hire, and that turned out all right. So um, 
hopefully this is just another chain in that same succession. Jeffrey, last one for me. And we thank you much for doing this and getting up early with us today. Uh, I'm going to finish with a hypothetical, too, since uh, John McMullen opened the hypothetical door. I'm stepping through it. That's for damn sure. Um, Jalen Hurts plays well enough. He doesn't embarrass himself or the organization. He's not the uh, Carson Wentz finished up the 34th ranked quarterback and quarterback (laughs) rating in the league last year when there are only 32 starting quarterbacks. He's not down that low, but he's not in the top 10. He's probably not in the top 20. He's somewhere in the 20s, 22, 23, 21. Um, And the Eagles win some games, but uh, they're only in a playoff spot with a month ago because they're still in the NFC least. Maybe one of the teams catch five. Maybe the Cowboys with Dak come back and they're well above. Maybe the Giants have a tremendous year. Maybe that Washington defense is as good as it was last year and the division is enough for grabs. But in my scenario, it is but they don't win the division and they are better than they were last year, but not by much, which is more likely the Philadelphia Eagles will be quarterbacked by a guy like Deshaun Watson or a guy like Sam Howell, that the Eagles will use the draft capital that they've accrued. They're going to have a pretty good draft pick of their own to start with. And they have to move up. They got the wherewithal to do it. Will they be drafting another quarterback high in the first round next year? Or do you think they're a player for an available quarterback, a Pro Bowl-type quarterback like Deshaun Watson, which is the most likely scenario for 2022? Uh, let's say we go through the draft. Hopefully by then they've you know learned a lot of lessons from a lot of things that they've done wrong. We've relied on free agency so many times in the past. We realize that there are some issues. Um, you know, with Deshaun Watson and some of his situations from a personal standpoint. But um, I I would rather us go the route of free agency if we're right there. I think you pick up free agents and, you know, great free agents if you're right there up on the cusp, not up on the cusp. And I think you and I, Jody, had actually spoken one time about the possibility of them taking a quarterback this year. And um, I believe that was something we agreed that, you know, had they done that, we probably would have been on board with the decision to do so. Uh, the best quarterbacks were gone by the time, you know, we got to 10 and, you know, we end up with. Oh, no, um, that's not true. Justin Fields was still available. And remember, Jody Mack told you Justin Fields is going to be a franchise type quarterback. Don't forget that, buddy. You're right. You're right. OK, so I was I was wrong on that. I misspoke on that point as well. But I think I think the best the best scenario in this case is to actually go with the draft. Let's build from the draft for a while. Let's actually try to see if we can get some guys in here that can be good. I still believe in the 2020 class. I feel like, you know, we shouldn't give up on them yet. This 2021 class has an ability to be good as well. But um, I would say if the situation was a little bit different and this was a team that we saw was like, you know, just one or two pieces away, maybe go and get the veteran free agent then at the signal caller position. But in a situation where we're rebuilding, we can revisit this again next year. Hopefully we have three first round draft picks and you can use one of those on a quarterback. And then we're right back to the same conversation. We were talking about Justin Herbert versus Jalen Hurts. Maybe next year we're talking about Sam Howell versus Jalen Hurts for the um, (laughs) QB1 position. (laughs) Jeffrey, we appreciate you coming on board. Good stuff. Uh, We will certainly be tapping into you from time to time as we get closer to the season. Thanks for hopping on the stream with us today. We'll do it again down the road, bud. I appreciate you. Good seeing you, Jody Mack. Nice meeting you, Mr. McMillan. Thanks, Jeffrey. That is uh, Jeffrey Knox does a really good job on uh, Inside the Eagles. I do love the spelling, I-G-G-L-E-S.
because that's the way some people in this town pronounce it. He is John McBone. I am Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365. We all know what birds means. That would be I-G-G-L-E-S as well. Uh, many different ways to refer to the football team here in town. We'll come back, continue the conversation on the Eagles, the Birds, uh, the Eagles. Follow what you want. We'll continue yeah. to talk about them here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. 
It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Birds 365 guys. McMullen and McDonald hanging out with you. Hour number two of this Wednesday get-together. Now, less than a week before Eagle Camp opens up, but exactly a week before John McMullen gets grass time, gets to get out there on the field and watch the Eagles actually go through some drills and some practice. Uh, We're leading up to the season, and that's what we're talking about. But before we uh, do, uh, first of all, i got to thank our guest, uh, Jeffrey Knox, who I got from for the first time on my show on uh, WIP last year. He wrote a really good article. I'm pretty sure it's about Carson Wentz. I just remember reading it that week and saying, damn, that's a different look at a different slant on it than anybody else had. And I wanted to get him on, and I didn't really know how. And Inside the Eagles is a spinoff of uh, Fan Sighted. So I had a good relationship with Matt Verderam, who was a national writer, and we've had here on our show. Uh, so I asked him, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you tell me, did you know how to get in touch with him? He gave me his number. I reached out. He came on my show and was very good when I had him on with me last year. But there is one issue. I don't know about you, John. But when he says Mr. McDonald, I turn around to see if my father has entered the room. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I've uh, never well, done anything that's that that merits me being called Mister. Yeah, it always I'm, gets me I'm referring to someone else. He's such a polite uh, individual and, yeah. and young man. We thank him for it. But you got to drop that, Jeffrey. Next time you come on the show, yeah. please. There are no Misters here. It's Mac Man. It's Mac Man. It's Johnny. It's Jody. There are no Misters involved. With I'm this with show. you, man. It, it, to this day, you have some very polite people say a Wawa or something and I'll say thank you sir they'll call me sir and I look around like you and I'm like what the you know I'm the most immature person in the world so while I might be aging you don't have to call me sir mister anything just call me uh Johnny Mac uh John uh whatever call me buddy pal you can get call me call me asshole yeah yeah just just don't don't set the bar too high for me by calling me sir because i don't know if i'm going to be able to live up to the bar you're setting for me now which brings me to Deion sanders who's telling people to call him coach like they call coach shaven now i'm not calling you coach Deion. i'm calling you Deion. call me reporter (laughs) no i don't expect that from you you're not my coach. Did you see that kerfuffle, Joe? No. Uh, Deion Sanders uh, yelled at some reporter who was calling him Dion, as he should, uh, and and went on some kind of twisted, you don't call Coach Shaben Nick, which everybody does. Uh, but there was one, I don't want to call him a well, hold, on, hold on a second. I didn't see this since you brought it up. Was it a member of the media asking him a question about the team that he is now the coach of? 
Um, yeah, it was at Media Day. They had a okay. Media Day for uh, the, the SWAC, and obviously Dion is now uh, the head coach. Where is he the head coach? Jackson State. Um, and, yeah, uh, I mean, he went uh, onto a you-should-call-me-coach type of thing. Now there was some You know what? I, I'm with Dion on that one. No. If you what? are in a media session no. and you are dressing him as the coach of the team, yeah, no. if he wants uh, to be called uh, coach, you should call uh, him coach. Absolutely not, Jody. Absolutely not. If he's not our coach, not, that, that, it's not a sign of, of, of disrespect. You want to put something on, on a pedestal. You want to put somebody on a pedestal. They're not a, you know, players call him coach, and you'll hear me call a guy coach slipping occasionally. I might do that from a, I called Doug Peterson Doug for five years. I call Chip Chip. Nobody has a problem with it. Nick Saban doesn't have a problem with it. Everybody calls Nick Nick. Uh, they're not, they're not our bosses. They're not signs of power. That's the whole point. Of, of the given, you're you're supposed to hold these people accountable. Uh, no, we don't call coaches coach. We don't do that. We're never going to do that. And people who do do that, young reporters, you should stop doing that right now. It's not good. No, I disagree. Uh, I think it is a sign of respect. And if you have achieved that, I know what I've achieved in my life, and I don't deserve, sir. If you've gotten to the point no. where you are a head coach, I think that you can ask the individuals who are asking. Now, as soon as uh, you walk away, you don't got to call him coach 24-7. You see him at the dry cleaner, you call him whatever the hell you want. But if you're in the setting of asking questions of the coach of a team and he says, do me a favor, call me coach, you call don't him coach. Don't do it. Young reporters, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I guess I'm like Jeff Knox. I, I have some manners. And yes, I would. Uh, that's nothing to do with manners. And by the way. That's to do every, with respect. Every coach. Why am I not respect? I'm calling Nick Saban his name, Nick. And by the way, Nick Saban would never get upset that I would call him by his first name. No coach, Bill Belichick, the most. Greg Popovich, who was the most ill-tempered coach I've ever covered in any sport, had no problem whatsoever with me calling him Greg. They understand the, the situation as well. Um, it, it, I'm not disrespecting Greg Popovich by calling him Greg. That's his name. Here's where He's I not think, my coach. Okay, if you don't think that – Deion Sanders or any coach, and Deion just happens to be the guy we're discussing today because he decided to uh, clarify it. If you want to be called coach and you expect to be called coach, I think it's within your rights to do that. If you don't, if you're Greg Popovich or Doug Peterson or anybody else, and you are perfectly fine with being called by your first name, that's your choice. It's kind of like the whether you should be vaccinated or not vaccinated. It's your choice. If you don't want to get vaccinated, it, 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 no one can make you get vaccinated. But if you want to ask the individuals in the media to call you coach, I think it's within your rights to do so. Well, you can ask. You can ask whatever you want. You can ask to be the, you know, the president of the United States and be called Mr. President. You can ask whatever you want. Nobody's going to listen to you. Well, but there is, with there, any... there's, there's only one president. There are a whole bunch of coaches in the world. 
Yeah, but uh, but my point is, you you could be the coach of of, of you know Rancocas Valley High School. Okay, you're the coach of those players. You can call ask them to call you coach all you want. Don't ask me to call you coach. You're not my coach. No, I'm not calling. You if, can ask me. I'm not calling you coach. If, if you're asking a question about the team and his role as a coach, and he asked you to refer to him as coach, I don't think he's uh, out of bounds by asking well, you to I'm, do so. I'm, I'm you want to ask con- him? You can, do you know a good restaurant in the neighborhood? Well, then no, you don't have to call him coach because it's got nothing to do with coaching. I'm very, very confident that Nick Sirianni's never going to ask that of me because he's not in, in a hole. I'm very confident that nobody's going to ask that of me, so it's never going to come up. I'm just telling young reporters on this show, if you want to be a reporter, do not call coaches coach. Do not do it, no matter what Jody McDonald says. Do you do you, you think coaches actually get perturbed? We know Dion stands on it. He wants it. He put it out there that that's what he expects you to well, do. Well, and you by the way, no. coaches – don't like being called coach. By the way, Dion was Dion has been called Dion. Uh, he's been the coach for a while now. He wasn't like that was his first. He probably had uh, a problem with a particular reporter for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what the issue was because I guarantee if people have called Dion Dion, I've called Dion Dion. Not since he's been a coach. Um, he never had a problem with it. Uh, he probably had a problem with the individual reporter. That kind of thing happens and you have a personal conflict. It just came off across as weird. And if you search it, you'll find it. It was all over the place. It just came across as weird. And there was some Alabama television reporter who basically was in the bag for Nick Sagan and and the Alabama uh, program like Xander Krause is or Jody McDonald is. (laughs) <laughs> that's a back end. I'm just joking, guys. But And he said, you should call Nick Saban coach. Show some respect to the great Nick Saban. And he rightfully got laughed at by anybody who's ever done this profession. And, and by the way, Nick Saban had nothing to do with it because Nick's been around for a long time. He knows the score. Nothing to do with it. So I don't want to bring Nick Saban into this. But no, you, I mean, Jody, it's not – it's not disrespectful to call somebody their name. They're not, they don't have power over us. That's the whole point of this. The whole point of the adversarial process, you're supposed to hold these people accountable. I, I had Andy Reid on my show a couple of times while he was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, two or three over the course of uh, all those years. Um, my show didn't rate to get Andy Reid on a regular basis or anything like that. When I got him on, I called him coach. How's it going, coach? If you, what, if what are you, you want to say wide receiver this year, coach? So I was sucking up to Andy Reid by doing that? Is that no, what you're suggesting? No, I think you were doing it flippantly. Absolutely I, I, not. No, no, John. I'm looking you in the eye. I didn't do it flippantly. I did it respectfully. The reason that I did it was I was trying to show respect to the coach. Well, I, I can say, you know, if you feel that's respectful. Uh, Absolutely. That's that obviously is your personal opinion. That's fine. If you find calling him Andy disrespectful, there's where I would have an issue with it. I can also say. Andy would not care if you called him Andy at right. all. He wouldn't find it disrespectful. He wouldn't expect you to call him coach because he knows 
he knows the score. I'm not going to kill you for calling a coach. I've called coaches coach flippantly, you know, just because I'm not thinking at the moment. And I'll say, hey, coach, what's up? Uh, something like that. In a, in a press conference environment, no, it's the exact opposite. No, never, right. ever. The only ever. way I the only way I see it as disrespectful is if someone requests you to call him coach and you specifically refuse to call him coach. Oh, that's yeah. what I think. Uh, what, that's disrespectful I, to be asked. That's where we differ. That's uh, disrespectful right. to be asked. Uh, to to ask a reporter to call you coach is disrespectful. That's okay. the disrespectful part. Yeah, you see that as disrespectful. I don't. I, I see that as within their purview if that's uh, what, the, what they want to do. All right, we got off on a uh, major tangent of how you refer to guys who are in charge of football teams. I want to ask you about guys in charge of football teams. Coach Doug Peterson, that way we'll get both in. We won't disrespect anybody. We'll call him <laughs> Coach Doug Peterson. During his tenure here in Philadelphia, one of the knocks – and yes, we know Doug brought home the trophy, which now adorns the outside of uh, the link. Uh, so he is never going to be thought of as uh, anything without that being part of the equation. That's to be part of the equation. But we look at both the good and the bad. And yes, he is no longer the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. One of the reasons is because during his tenure, there wasn't a great track record of player development. There weren't guys who were taken at a specific spot in the draft who then went out and overachieved. Who You thought they were going to be player A, they were player A+. plus. More often than not, if they were player A, they ended up being player C or C- minus or D or there are a couple Fs thrown in there that before you knew it, they were ex-Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, player development is a big part of the game, probably a part that we underemphasize as members of the media. Uh, let's compare the new coaching staff to the old coaching staff. What does the new coaching staff have to do to be better in player development than it was here during the Doug Peterson era? Well, <laughs> the short answer is they have to develop players. But uh, long answer is this is one of the reasons we are in the position we're in and why Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Rosen, more so Jeffrey Lurie, uh, made the coaching change. Uh, and, and by the way, I think it's a fair criticism to look at the, the past couple seasons, the final couple seasons of the Doug Peterson era and say, yeah, guys didn't develop the, the way they should have developed. So I do think that is a fair criticism. Um, there's many parts to it, obviously. Uh, we've talked about the time restrictions, the practice restrictions. It's a little bit different than it used to be. The Eagles claim this is a great teaching coaching staff. So we're going to see. I mean, this is how I'm going to grade this coaching staff more than results. How are young players developing? Jalen Rager is a perfect example of this. Jody, I've, I've said this to you a number of times. A lot of fans, a lot of media people, to be honest, they think it ends with the draft. You either get a good player or you get a bad player. And everything's in a vacuum. Justin Jefferson is great, and Minnesota's going to be great here. Uh, Jalen Rager was bad here. He would have been great in Minnesota because Justin Jefferson was great. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. All situations are different. I always go back to Donovan McNabb in, in 1999 because he was lucky enough to be tethered to Andy Reid, who was one of the great uh, coaching 
quarterback developers, certainly of this generation, maybe arguably the best. You know, who knows? Go back to that draft. There were so many quarterbacks, so many talented quarterbacks at the top of the draft. If one of them got tethered to Andy Reid instead of the situations they were in, and vice versa, Donovan McNabb had to go to Cleveland or 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 one of these bad organizations, what would happen to Donovan McNabb? It's not a vacuum. You have to develop these players. And we go back to the NBA championship. We go back to the Sixers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the first time since Kareem what was named Luau Cinder, Jody. And and you're probably one of the only people that are going to get that name, Luau Cinder, oh, yeah. at, the, at this point of time. And Bob Dangerous and Oscar Robertson. That's how long you got to go back for the Milwaukee Bucks to win an NBA championship. Giannis was the 15th pick in the draft. We talked about the process and the you got to have the first round pick. You got to have the number one pick. You can't do it any other way in the NBA. Chris Middleton was a second round pick, I believe, Jody. Drew Holiday was here. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough for these people. You know, but you get Michael Carter Williams. That's where it all started, Drew Holiday. You get Michael Carter Williams. You get Nerlens Noel. And I felt like that organization at that time said, oh, we got good players. That's it. Nope. Got to develop those good players. And they got to get better and better and better. Same thing in football. You got to develop these players. You got to develop these players. You can't just say, okay, this guy's good. This guy's bad on draft night. No, it is a process. That's the real process. Not the nonsense that everybody talks about. And that's where Nick Sirianni's going to make his bones in this league because that's what the Eagles are telling us behind the scenes. This is a teaching coaching staff. So let's see if they can develop. We're talking about cornerbacks. One of the great things I think Jeffrey Knox said was, you know, let's talk about these young players. They got to develop some of these young players. Go get Steven Nelson if you want, but you still got to develop some of these young players. The scary thing that you said, I, uh, you and I see this one uh, in lockstep. You and I are on the same exact page uh, with comparisons between other sports and the like and what the Bucks just did and what you expect teams to do. Player development is underrated, underanalyzed by members of the media that, uh, that they bring players along to elevate players by putting them in the right system, by coaching them up. The problem is that now in the National Football League, the amount of time that you actually have to coach the players is so legislated in comparison to what it used to be. I have a tough time being as critical as I once was that, oh, my God, how did you not get this young man coming out of college with the talent level that he showed? How did he only come into the league and be okay? How was he not an above-average player? How did he not develop into a star? I used to be very comfortable in saying things like that. Now, with the fact that every time they have a collective bargaining agreement, and thank God we won't have to face it for 10 more years, the owners say, we'll keep the money, but here's what we'll give you. Less work. You get to show up less often. We'll have less practice time. We'll have less physicality while we're at practice. They make the coach's job harder on a year-in, year-out basis with the collective bargaining agreement. So unless you're a miracle worker, 
and or you are a mind melder that you can get inside the head of kids. They just don't have the the wherewithal to coach them up and to make them better players and to develop them. So I don't know what the answer is as to, and I like Nick Sirianni. I've been motivated by Nick Sirianni. He's put a smile on my face. I don't know if he coach a little bit, but the only things we've had to judge him on so far, what he's had to say, you got a little grass time, so you saw him a little bit in action, but some of the drills that they're doing are actually humorous. They're, they're not really drills. They're, they're camaraderie drills more than anything else. I don't know whether he can coach or not, and I have a, a hard time coming down on him and saying, how did he not improve this guy when he doesn't really have the chance to improve the guy because of the collective bargaining agreement rules? Well, I agree with you. Well, a couple of things. I don't think anybody's coming down hard on him. I mean, that's what he was sold as sort of behind the scenes for the Eagles. We haven't seen it yet. So we'll have to see how he develops some of the younger players, especially some of the players that haven't hit the ground as quickly as maybe some people assume they would. Um, you're right about the, the CBA, but the sliding scale with that, Jody, is everybody's under the same restrictions. So it's the same sort of, uh, it's grading on a curve. That's true. You don't have the same opportunity, but you have the same opportunity as everybody else. You're under the same restrictions. Now, Urban Meyer's already complaining about those restrictions. Uh, that's the point. You got to, you got to adjust. You got to adapt. You got to figure out a way to at least do it a little bit better than everybody else. And that's when you become a top tier you know, coach, top-tier developer of talent, however you want to describe it. And, you know, I don't need Nick Sirianni to be Bill Walsh. I need him to be good under hit the restrictions he faces. And that's what will be ultimately graded on, and I think that's fair. So when you look at some of these disappointing young players, and I put that term in quotes because, look, Jalen Rager's the most obvious because he was the first-round pick last year and disappointed everyone. I think part of that had to do with injuries, to be honest. He wasn't healthy. So, you know, right off the bat, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a better player. But clearly he needed some help also when it comes to the technique, the route running, things of that nature. Then we go back the year prior. You can really see it with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who hasn't developed. These are the type of players – especially because he's got wide receiver in his background. He was a wide receiver in college. He coached the position. we got to see some improvement. We talked about corners. Everybody's, you know, Steven Nelson is a Band-Aid. Beget him, great. He's a Band-Aid. you got to develop Avante Maddox better to where at least he can be a really good slot cornerback you got to develop some of these guys, whether it's Mike Jaquette or, or Zach McPherson. And that's what Jonathan Gannon is supposed to be. So this is, this is the task placed in front of them, and this is where they have to succeed, Jody. Yes, and you mentioned two of the wide receivers. I'd go back and let, add Nelson Aguilar to that mix. As soon as he got out of town, he got uh, a to become a better and more productive wide receiver with the Raiders. Uh, maybe that had something to do with Derek Carr. I don't know, but I uh, don't know if it was John Gooden's coaching. They they uh, developed him. They got him to up his game 
production-wise, more so than he ever did here in Philadelphia. So wide receiver is a key position, and the point you make about this being a kind of wide receiver-based coaching staff, that that's where Sirianni cut his teeth. Well, I hope that pays dividends. I hope that is the case, that the Eagles are actually better at wide receiver. Cornerback is another position. And the other one I'd add to the mix where they came up short and maybe we'll actually see an improvement with this new football team, uh, new coaching staff, is defensive end. Uh, the fact that, for me, Barnett has not lived up to his draft status his whole time here in Philadelphia. Just a couple of years ago, they used a middling draft pick on Sharif Miller. He's gone. A year and change later, he's gone. The previous Eagle coaching staff didn't do enough good enough job at developing uh, pass rushers. Uh, give me an optimistic slant as to why we should think the new Philadelphia Eagle coaching staff, at least this team this upcoming year, should be better at getting to the quarterback. Well, number one, I would say that wasn't a deficiency of the team overall. I think they were, you know, near the top of the league when it comes to pass rushing and pass rushing efficiency, number one. So that's a strength. But that has to do with veteran players, mainly Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and so on. I, I, I think you're a little hard on Derek Barnett, as I've said in the past. When he's healthy, and he, he, he can't stay on the field. The issue with Derek, and I've mentioned this before, if he's a second-round pick, he's great. He's a first-round pick, so he's not great, uh, which is, you know, part of the gig. I mean, that's what it is. You face the pressure. I talk about the Giants this year where they drafted, I think, Kadarius Toney in the first round, and it was Aziz Ojolari in the second round. Right. I think Ojolari is going to be the better player. I think if they draft Ojolari in the in the first round, Tony in the second round, you make things easier on Tony. Now he's up against it because he doesn't belong where he was drafted, and people are going to always expect what he's going to be. So it's kind of weird, Derek Barnett, but I think he's a solid player. Don't think he's a great player. I think he's a solid player. Josh Sweat has developed a little bit. You know, we'll see with Milton Williams inside. He's going to be supposedly a versatile player, mainly play inside, but can play outside because he's so athletic. Um, they've always gotten to the quarterback. Uh, the problem has been the back end. And it, it's one of those things where, and I think Jeffrey Knox said this as well, you know, those two parts of the game are always meshed together. You either get to the quarterback uh, uh, quickly to help out your corners or vice versa, you have good corners who can help you uh, cover a little bit longer, can help you get to the corner. There's no question with the Philadelphia Eagles, as they are structured right now, Jody, yeah, it's the pass rush. They got to get home to mask the deficiencies of the back end where they got to get a little bit closer to get that back end up to speed. That defensive line is still good, and I think it's still top 10 in the NFL. And they will play it a little bit differently. I know you are a big Jim Schwartz fan, and we kind of disagree on Derek Barnett, and we kind of disagree on Jim Schwartz. I think he was a good, solid defense coordinator. I don't think he was ever a special or game-changing defensive coordinator. Do you think this defense is going to be more aggressive, less aggressive, differently aggressive? How do you think we're going to uh, look at last year, well, more than last year, the entire Doug Peterson era uh, led by Jim Schwartz? How are we going to look at them uh, in the way they went about playing defense as compared to the way this upcoming year's team, Eagle defense, is going to be situated? 
Well, if I had to guess, I would say short term, short term for this season, they're going to be less aggressive. And I think for obvious reasons, I think they're going to play a lot of cover two, cover three to protect the cornerbacks, number one. So they're going to play a lot of zone. And if you look at where Jonathan Gannon comes from and Mike Zimmer, and 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 I know Mike pretty well. Um, he he really stresses. He's a Bill Parcells guy. He really stresses uh, um, a disciplined pass rush. And in other words, I always talk about sacks not being that important. Uh, he's in that camp. He he wants a disciplined pass rush. In other words, he doesn't want Jason Babbin freelancing guys going all over just to get a sack. He wants to make sure you're in your gap, your lane at all times, pushing the pocket, not only pushing the pocket, but making sure the quarterback can't escape. So I think they're going to be more disciplined, a little less aggressive. Eagles fans are probably not going to like that. And then as the talent changes, I think, you know, if you get corners, you can be more aggressive. And then if you get linebackers, you can blitz from the A-gaps. You get more aggressive. But I don't think the Eagles have that talent right now. So I think they're going to be less aggressive. We'll see how the uh, quote-unquote blitzing goes with this team. Um, And there are some guys that are just expected to get home, get sacks, make big plays. And yeah, Derek Barnett's 19 and a half sacks in four years in the National Let me ask you this, Jody. Would you agree? Now, as I said, that's part of the gig. If you're a first-round pick, would you agree if he's a second-round pick, you wouldn't have as much issues with him? Oh, as much? No. Issues maybe, but not as much. That's what it's all about, John. It's living up to no, expectations. I, I understand And that. the expectations are fixed to you as soon as they call your name out on draft night. I understand As soon that. as you get paid in a capped league, which the NFL is, and in with that rookie contract, you are slotted in. There, there's very little wiggle room. You and I have been going back and forth about Landon Dickerson and offset money, which has held up the fact that he hasn't signed yet. But we know what the money's going to be. It's it, there's very little movement. The NFL. That's another thing that the Players Association has given away in their last collective bargaining agreements. Yeah, just go ahead and slot the whole draft, uh, specifically with first round draft picks. You know, ahead of time, what you're going to make in that sort of a world? Yes, expectations are tethered. To where you are drafted, my only you are point, paid by my, where you are drafted. My only point, Jody, is I agree with you. Expectations are part of it. I, I'm just saying he's not a bad player. He didn't live up to expectations. That part I agree with. But he's not a bad player. And I think because he's a first-round pick, people say, uh, oh, Derek Barnett. No, he's actually a pretty competent, pretty effective player when he's out there. That's my only point. Has he lived up to expectations? No. But you can win with Derek Barnett. You want more out of a 14th overall pick, but because they have Brandon Graham and have had Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, when he's out there, he's he's pretty successful. And the defensive line was the strength of this team throughout Jim Schwartz's entire era and will continue to be in Jonathan Gannon's first year. It's their best group from a talent standpoint. Uh, I think their offensive line is their best group. From a I mean, on defense, on defense. Oh, on defense. Well, yes. uh, so they're better than the linebackers and the safeties and the well, quarterbacks. We're talking about defense. Is that, is that the talking... tallest midget in the circus thing here? It is because the back seven is awful on paper, which is where the development comes in. You got to start developing some of these players. 
Nobody talks about Davion Taylor anymore because he was non-existent. I mean, he's a third-round pick. Something's got to give. Or, or you, you say he either develops or you got to admit the mistake. You got to get on the field. He's the most talented linebacker by far from a physical perspective this team has. And I mean by leaps and bounds. So if you're going to draft them, Howie Roseman, you got to find coaches who can develop them. Simple as that. That's one way to make the argument for Derek Barnett. He's certainly given you more than Davion Taylor has. I know it's not a perfect comparison. One's in his fifth year, the other's in the second year. But even his first year, actually, I think Derek Barnett's first year might have been his best year. He came in and actually contributed year number one, some of the draft picks from last year's class, not so much. He is John McBone. I am Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. Take a timeout. Come back. We got a couple more issues we want to get it into uh, before we put a wrap on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. 
It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We still got 27 minutes to tag up about uh, the Eagles and the National Football League. Johnny Mac, speaking of the National Football League, and it's so funny because uh, I was defending Deion Sanders earlier here on the show because he asked a reporter to call him coach, which it's more of a coach thing. I'm a former coach, and I like the respect of being called coach, and I think when Deion gets a job like that, he can do something like that, even though never a Deion Sanders fan. Didn't like him a little bit. So he was a stone-cold jerk throwing the, the water on the reporter in the shower when he was a baseball player. Just a bad dude. You talk no, about baseball. egomaniac. You know, baseball players. Baseball players are typical. Well, and Dion was one of those. He wasn't a bad baseball player. He's a better football player, right. but he wasn't a bad baseball player. But he was also just a complete jerk a lot of the times in his career. But I think he's got a point about being asked to be called coach. Um, my new favorite guy, not Deion Sanders, in the National Football League. And he has established that in the last 24, 48 hours. Who do you think I'm talking about? My favorite NFL player for a very specific reason. I'll give you the reason. Maybe it'll help you guess. He's got his priorities in order. Tom Brady. <laughs> not Tom Brady. But he made he made headlines. We'll get to him in a second. But yeah, he, not the well, guy I'm not the guy I'm referring to. Tom Brady's great. Uh, uh, who did something this week? Uh, do, 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 do. Well, Deion Sanders. I'll, I'll, I'll like. give you the team. Deion's ex squad. Well, that could be a bunch of teams: Cowboys, right. 49ers, uh, Washington. Uh, think I, think the start of Deion's career. Uh, I don't know where you're going. What has happened around this league? Uh, Dion's first team was uh, San Francisco, no, no Atlanta, 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 Atlanta Falcons. Um, did you see the story about their kicker? Oh, yeah, uh, he got his car stolen, or the yes, yeah, he, that's yeah. exactly what I'm referring to. Hoku Kim, Hoshu, I apologize because I'm uh, uh, kickers are just in one ear and out the other. Um, so my 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 bad there. Uh, but yes, he had his Jeep stolen from in front of his house, the apartment where he's staying down in Atlanta. Uh, and he reported it to the police and he got his uh, uh, he got registered as a stolen vehicle. But he took to social media and he actually attempted to have a conversation with the thief of the car. And he said to him, listen, you can keep my Jeep, but you got to give me my cleats back. His cleats were in the car. He knows what his priorities are. He's got cleats he's comfortable in. Yes, these cleats were made for kicking. He's got to have them to be able to make field goals to continue to play in the National Football League. I love a guy who says, keep my car. Just give me back my cleats. I got to make field goals. You're an Atlanta guy. The yeah, car was kicker. stolen in Atlanta, so I'm hoping you're a Falcons fan. Do the right thing for the Falcons and give your kicker his cleats back. Uh, that makes him my favorite player in the National Football yeah. League. Kickers are weird, Jody. See, I'm going to take are. a kicker. I love him for that. 
I'm going to take a different. See, here's the kicker I want because kickers are so, you know, they could be thrown off by anything. So that's why once his cleats back, I don't know this about Justin Tucker, but I'm going to guess if he had his cleats stolen, he'd say, give me another pair of cleats and go kick one from 60 right down the middle. That's the guy I want. I want the Tom Brady kickers. I don't, I don't want somebody who's so mentally fragile, he thinks his success is tied to his cleats. I'd look at it differently than you, Joe. And I, I as a matter of fact, uh, I might be able to find out about Justin Tucker if he is a uh, the kind of guy who is yeah, tied that's to... That's Randy Brown. Yeah, Randy, Randy Brown? Brown. We got a Malton guy uh, yeah. who is around Justin Tucker. He is unbelievable. Oh, he, he's the best he kicker is, who ever lived already. He is stone cold going to the Hall of Fame when his career is over and done with. It's the best kicker of all time by far. And obviously it's very difficult for kickers to get in the Hall of Fame. Jan Stenerud was the only one for years. Then they let Morton Anderson in. By the way, if Jimmy Kemsky, you're listening, Morton Anderson belongs in the Hall of Fame because this is we got in this argument with Hall of Fame guys. Look, if you look at him in this era, no, he doesn't look like a Hall of Famer. In his era, he was dominant. He was so much better than everybody else. I I talked about Ray Guy as punters the same way. Yeah, if you look at just the numbers, Ray Guy doesn't look as dominant. Look at his numbers against the punters of his era. Correct. That's why Morton Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame, is in the Hall of Fame. That said, because of the advancements and everything, technique, equipment, ability to train. Justin Tucker's the greatest kicker who ever lived. And it's not particularly close. Yeah, scary. Um, the guy who kicked the game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl is probably also going to get into the Hall of Fame because while his overall numbers don't match Tucker's, the clutch factor of when he kicked some of those game-winning field goals is probably going to get him into the Hall of Fame. So we're actually going to see two guys go in over the next, uh, assuming Tucker only kicks another five years. Over the next 10 to 12 years, I think we will see two kickers actually uh, get it. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame bound, yes, I got to see some of the video from Tom Brady yesterday. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did go to the Super Bowl. And, I, 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 yeah, my admiration of Brady has gone up this offseason. Uh, I saw him on The Shop, uh, LeBron James's show on HBO, um, where he started, all, I'm going to use a John uh McMullen show uh, phraseology here he started a kerfuffle by saying <laughs> and this team wouldn't they're gonna stick with that yeah. bleeping quarterback he was actually very entertaining when he was on the show and he was entertaining again yesterday in the White House playing straight man to Joe Biden which I don't necessarily think Joe is a yuck fest either but they actually got off a couple of lines yeah. yesterday and Brady played the role well uh, I, did we read any anything into the fact that he's been there before? He has been to the White House as part of a team celebration, a squad that won the Super Bowl, and he did so when George Bush was the president. He didn't make it when Obama was the president. Oh, by the way, the Patriots won a couple of Super Bowls. And he didn't make it while Donald Trump was the president. And yes, they won the Super Bowl while he was in the Oval Office. But he makes a return trip with Joe Biden in the office. It's one Republican, one Democrat. I, I don't know what to make. Does Tom Brady, no, hopefully, hopefully this is the answer. He doesn't give damn he one about political uh, no. 
aspirations. He are... Remember, he got in trouble for having a a Make America Great Again hat because he was friends. He golfed with Donald Trump. You know, Robert Kraft. Out. So everyone's oh, people are you know people are ridiculous with this stuff, Jody. One of the most disappointing things to me personally was the fact that I was all fired up to go to the White House when the Eagles won the Super Bowl because I wanted to see the White House. I wanted right. to see it. That's one of the that's one of the coolest things that I could think about doing in this profession. And you know, you got to go through all the protocols. You got to get protocols. You got to get cleared. You got to go through security checks. I go through all this nonsense. I'm all hyped up to go down to see the White House. And at the very last minute, because you have this such polarization of society, I will always be disappointed by not being able to see the Eagles uh, at the White House being celebrated for winning Super Bowl 52. And I think it is just utterly dumb. It has nothing to do with the president at a particular time, it was a tradition up until people lost their collective minds. It sucked. It sucked. And I always, I also, I've said on this show, Jody, poor Doug Peterson had to go out there because Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, and he's got to be the spoke. He's not making these decisions. It, it was just, it, it was, it was a very disappointing uh, uh, development in time. And I think, I think it's sad that they finally win the Super Bowl. They finally win that Lombardi trophy. That that banner is up there with Nick Bowles' hands, and they couldn't go to the White House. I think it's stupid. Same here. I would see it as an honor to be able to go to the White House. I know they have tours, but that's a little different. You're making yeah, a decision right. rather than you're actually going – to watch something, not just see a painting on the wall that it's a uh, it's a gathering for a reason. Yeah, I would have thought that that would have been great. And I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to do that. But good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they were able to do it yesterday. Uh, looks like their head coach has enjoyed the offseason a little bit. Did his jacket <laughs> look a little tight on him? Uh, coach looked like he put on a couple of pounds. He's lucky that he's All not right. going to be playing this year. You got to hope his players... Uh, didn't put on those extra five or 10 pounds during the off season when you're going to all those dinners, but they were less because this truly is still a, a COVID off season. Um, but uh, it, it did look, well, real you cool. know, I always say Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham calls me Bruce because he thinks I look like Bruce Arians, but, um, and I always feel bad for Bruce Arians, but <laughs> I will say, and, and Brandon uh, is not being disrespectful by the way, uh, you know, it's just something funny, and anybody's been around Brandon Graham knows he likes to talk trash. So I am Bruce to Brandon Graham. Well, that, and that's good. Uh, he could disrespect you and call you coach, uh, and he hasn't gone down that road. He calls Bruce no, Arians. he calls me Bruce because he's right. an adult. And he calls Bruce he's Arians. Bruce, too. <laughs> he yes. doesn't go down the coach road, uh, but that's the way he handles his business. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, we're going to take our final time out of the day. You know what we got to do, McMullen? We got to come back and put a bow on the show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. 
But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Coming down the home stretch of a Birds 365 Wednesday edition with John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. All right, two quick items before we put a bow on this show, Johnny Mac. Uh, the first one being one of my favorites, and, and I get this on the air every once in a while when I'm hosting a show, and surely get it all the time since social media came aboard. Someone will send me a Twitter along these lines uh, relatively often. Um, who says no? I'm going to propose a trade to you, and you will be the third-person arbitrator and you'll decide which of the two organizations says no to the potential trade. The Los Angeles Rams send a conditional seventh, could be a sixth. I don't think they can get a sixth up to a fifth. But a seventh to a sixth round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for 
Kerryon Johnson, who the Eagles signed as a free agent, didn't have to pay anything. As a matter of fact, after they signed him, they got him to agree to work for a little bit less because he wanted to be here as badly as he did. The Rams yesterday lost Cam Akers. Their number one yeah. running back, torn Achilles. Oh, that's that's see that's, you later. Bye time. Yeah. That's there's no coming back from that in less than a year. So Cam Akers done for the year. Henderson, their second back. They they went dual back last year, and he was comparable. I think Akers is a better player, and he's certainly a uh, more of a home run hitter. But I checked the rest of their roster as far as depth at the running back position goes. I don't like it a little bit. And Kerryon Johnson, of course, has a standing relationship with Matthew Stafford, the guy who is now the new quarterback out there in Los Angeles. And I don't know how much influence Matt has over player personnel, but uh, he can surely pick up a phone and talk to his coach and to the general manager of the Rams. Um, I understand where if the Rams were skittish, hey, this guy was out there. And we could have made a play for him. We didn't. The Eagles got him for nothing. All they had to do was sign him. But his contract is very manageable. He's the guy who has accumulated stats in the league and proven he can play. And he did work with Matthew Stafford. If you were the Eagles, would you accept a seventh with a conditional could move up to a sixth round pick? for a guy you signed off the scrap heap this offseason? No, I'm going to go no for a couple reasons. Um, and by the way, no on both ends. The Rams don't care about draft picks. Uh, so they would trade, and they're going to get somebody at some point. But I think everybody, and I think the Eagles, want to see if Kerryon Johnson is healthy. And I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a big part of this team. So I think they want him. But they have to see if he's healthy. And I think from the Rams' perspective, they're not going to take somebody with those kind of injury concerns. Uh, but the, the Rams are going to get somebody at some point. Now, if he goes through training camp and the Eagles say, well, you know what? We want to keep Boston Scott. Jordan Howard looks better than we expected. Then maybe Ken, later Kenny in August. Kenny Gainwell ready to play. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell's ready. Uh, Good point, Jody. Then they would say, yeah, let's spin him off. And I think if the, if he shows he's healthy, the Rams would then go, yeah, we'll, we'll take a flyer. So right now I would say no, because nobody knows if Darion Johnson's knee is going to hold up. Fair enough. I like the depth the Eagles have at the running back position. I'm a Miles Sanders fan. I hope he gets picked the percentage number out of the heavens here, 66%. Two-thirds of the snaps, he's on the field. Uh, One-third, somebody else is. And it's all those other guys making up the one-third. That's what I'm hoping the breakout is for this team this year. And health is a big part of it. Um, but that's a limited role for any of the other guys, as far as I'm concerned. And I think the Eagles have confident guys to do that. And it could surely pull one out and give them away. Uh, and the tie between Stafford and Kerryon Johnson might just be able to get you a draft pick for him rather than absolutely nothing if you're going to cut him. So I just wanted to float that one out there uh, before the show. All right. I asked you this. I guess it was Friday before we took off for the weekend. Um, percentage chances. Percentage chance that Zach Ertz's resolution comes in in the next 24 hours. You gave me zero last Friday. Is it zero from uh, Wednesday into Thursday? No, we're starting to get into the single percentage because we're getting close. We're less than a week away from camp or a week away from grass time. 
So I'm going to put, I still think Zach Ertz is going to go into August because he waited this long. Why not wait it till the end? But I'm going to tick that up to 4%. 4% that something gets done in the next 22 hours. Stay by your radios and your television and your computers. John McMullen might be posting an article on Philly Voice about what happened to Zach Ertz to end his tenure here in Philadelphia. All right, and maybe even more so. This I thought you were going to stay at zero for that one. Uh, in the next 22 hours closer. before we come back on Birds 365, will the Eagles have an upgrade at the CB2 position? Well, that's a big – I'm going to say – I'm going to kick that one up to 25% because Stephen Nelson was out there trolling on social media yesterday saying today or tomorrow – now, a lot of people think he's going back to Pittsburgh, so that's still probably the most likely scenario um, at a, obviously a lower cost. Uh, but there's some movement, and he's got to come in. You see it all over the league. You start seeing some veteran names. Steelers just signed Melvin Ingram, by the way. Right, the that's what I was going to say. I don't know about Stephen Nelson going back to the Steelers because they just came up with $4 million to give it to Melvin Ingram, yeah. who I like. You know, you and I talked. I was down for either Kerrigan or Ingram. I wanted to see see the Eagles get one or the two, and they did, and they got Kerrigan for a uh, cheaper number, for a less salary capped hit than what the uh, Steelers paid for Ingram. And I I ranked them right about the same. Uh, So I thought the Eagles did a a very good job when they signed Kerrigan. But that does take a little cap flexibility out of the Steelers. So if that was a main opponent of the Eagles to get their hands on Stephen Nelson. I think they were helped by the Ingram signing. Yeah, possibly. It's a good point. You don't have a ton of money to budget right now. The Eagles don't have a ton of money, to be honest. A little 4.9 million, maybe. I haven't checked it recently, but somewhere in that range, they would get more if they did something with Zach Ertz. But I think they're going to wait until August. So maybe I'm being a little in 24 hours, 25%. Yeah, maybe. But this is the time of year where things could start to happen, Joe. Okay. You see it around the league. You went from zero to four on one, zero to 25 on the other. Landon Dickerson signs a contract with the Philadelphia Eagles in the next 22 hours. What's the percentage, McMullen? I'm going to go 6%. Ooh, he's moved on all of them. No. Damn, that's good to eat. No. You know what that, that means one thing and one thing only. If you are watching Birds 365 right now, you must be back here right at 8 o'clock in my morning. 10 o'clock, something's going to happen. That's what usually happens. But, um, no, Landon, as I said, uh, uh, my best guess, will he will sign July 26th or July 27th, the day of camp. Um, so that's still more likely. Uh, but the, the – any any moment at this point, it could it could happen. If Pat Dye, that's his agent, uh, Pat Dye Jr., uh, if he gets some time today, who knows? We appreciate those of you who have signed up for us here on Birds 365. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Jeffrey Knox, who was on with us earlier today. Partner, I say we come back and do this again in 22 hours. You in? I'm in day to day, but I'm planning on it, Jody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
my guy. You're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.